And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks so much for tuning into another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am unfortunately flying solo once again this evening. Uh, it's not been a great week here on the 40 Acres, unfortunately. Um, last time we spoke, I uh, had talked about Miss E and the clinical trial that she was undergoing. And I think a week ago, I said she's been tired and she's not been feeling great, but uh, she's felt worse. Well, I think I spoke too soon um, because for about the past week, uh, Missy has basically been bedridden. And I want to make it clear right up front because I know that we've got friends and family who who listen and, uh, and, and are going to be concerned about this. I want to make it very clear. It is the medicine that has been causing her to feel this way. It is not the underlying uh, condition that the medicine is trying to treat, the lung cancer. That, you know, she said all along that the only time she feels bad is when uh, the doctors are trying to make her better. And this is the case uh, over the past week or so. So the, the regimen that she's been on with this clinical trial is a um, it's an immunotherapy drug she takes once every three weeks via infusion and then an oral chemotherapy pill that she takes every day. And actually, two pills that she takes every day. And that oral chemotherapy drug is what's been kicking her in the rear. So she has just been so weak and so tired uh, she hasn't missed work, which is amazing, but when she's not uh, at work doing her job, she is laying down on the couch, uh, laying down in bed, has so little energy, is just exhausted all the time. She's got almost no appetite. She's lost probably 10 pounds uh, over the past week, and it's been, it's been wearing on her. Um, not just physically, but I think mentally and emotionally as well. So she did speak with uh, one of her caregivers this week and uh, a couple of days ago as I'm recording this. And uh, the doctor said, listen, stop taking the chemotherapy drug. We'll, we'll reconnect uh, towards the end of the week and, and we'll you know uh, figure out next steps here. So she's done that. She is scheduled to go in for another uh, infusion treatment of the immunotherapy next week. But I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if she's going to be able to continue in the clinical trial. I don't know what the protocols for this trial are. But um, if she has to keep taking the dosage of chemotherapy that she's currently taking, I think we're going to have to look for a new trial. That, that's my concern and my fear because she just can't keep doing this. Um, again, it's been so taxing on her, both physically and and emotionally. Uh, taxing on her you know missy is somebody who she's a badass you know she's always doing something she's always making something she is always working she loves to be outside she loves to be productive she loves to be active and she feels useless and i've i've told her this week that she's not useless and she isn't but i know that she feels that way and me telling her uh, that she's not, it doesn't change how she feels, unfortunately. So it has been a rough week uh, for Missy. I know that she would like to be here, but she is just, she's just not up to it tonight. And um, it's been, it's been a long week for me as well. Um, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I am, I am grateful and I'm glad that I have been able to take care of her. Um, but this has been uh, me stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit over the past week. Uh, you know, I, 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 I like to think that I pull my own weight and I, uh, you know, do my job a at home. Um, but she's always been able to, or for the most part, she's been able to, uh, you know, continue doing all of her chores around the house. And so I've had to double up this past week. Again, I'm glad that I can do it. I feel, I feel proud of the fact that, uh, you know, the kids have gotten fed. The critters are still all healthy and happy. And um, I've gotten everything done. 
but it uh, it's it's been kind of emotionally draining. I mean, it's not even the stuff that I've, uh, you know, the additional uh, chores and responsibilities that I've had to take on this week. I was thinking about that earlier today. It's, I'm glad that I can do that. Um, what's been hard for me this week is to see my wife hurting and suffering and not being able to help her other than by picking up the slack but i can't i can't make her better you know i can i can give her her uh, acetaminophen when she asks for it i make sure that her um, glass of water is always filled up i can you know try to uh, make sure that she's eating i can do all of those things but i can't make her feel better and that has been really really tough to see the woman that I love hurting and down and not being able to fix it uh, has been really, really rough this week. It's something that, um, you know, I've gone through a couple of times, I guess, in the uh, almost three years now since her diagnosis. But for whatever reason, uh, this week has been particularly hard so i know if you're listening that you're keeping us in your thoughts and your prayers and thank you for that um i i certainly do appreciate it and i would just ask you again for uh for some for some prayers for for strength and resilience this week i think that's the uh, the key word right now is is resilience and you know i said it's been almost three years it has been almost exactly three years we're coming up on memorial day and it was memorial day it was the Friday before Memorial Day, uh, or before the Memorial Day weekend in 2016, when Missy went to the emergency room. She thought she was having a heart attack. I was at work. Uh, this was in the afternoon on that Friday, and I was getting ready to do Cam and Company. I think I might have even been on the air uh, for uh, for Cam and Company, and I, I got a text, and she said, I, I think I'm having a heart attack, and I'm going to the hospital. Now, in retrospect, driving herself to the hospital if she thought she was having a heart attack, probably not the smartest idea, but that's Missy in a nutshell, right? Uh, she wasn't going to wait for the ambulance. She just drove herself. And that, that afternoon, um, they did an x-ray. They determined, by the way, she wasn't having a heart attack. The, the chest pains that she was experiencing actually just like a gas bubble uh, and, and anxiety added on to that. But they did a chest X-ray and they found a mass uh, in her lung. The Missy didn't smoke. She was otherwise healthy. And the doctors in the emergency room at first thought this was uh, pneumonia. Uh, that, that was their first thought. So they gave her a course of antibiotics and she went back a few weeks later, I think it was two weeks later, and they did another x-ray and the mass hadn't gone away. It was still there, it hadn't gotten bigger, but it hadn't gotten smaller. And so that was that first moment where Missy and I both went ruh-roh. Uh, something is, 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 is potentially really wrong here. You know, when you're told you got pneumonia, that's one thing. But you get your pills, you take your pills, and you get better, right? I mean, that's the expectation. So that moment of, okay, we, we, it's, not, it's not pneumonia. We don't know what it is, but it's not pneumonia. That's that first scary moment. And they scheduled her for a biopsy. She went in for the biopsy. Uh, the results were inconclusive. And so, again, we're kind of wondering, okay, what's, what's going on here? Uh, we're not really sure what's going on. But they decided, whatever this is, it doesn't belong in your lung, and it needs to come out. And so that's when they scheduled her for a lobectomy, where they removed uh, one of the five lobes of, of her lungs. And... The surgery actually happened in early September of 2016. So we went through the whole summer of 2016 
not really knowing what was going on. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was scary in the back of our mind, but we were able to sort of put it aside. She, she felt fine. Uh, had a little bit of trouble catching her breath, but it was hot. It was muggy. She was outside a lot, you know, understandable. And I, I distinctly remember, uh, after the surgery, the um this was the day after the surgery she had she had had the surgery maybe it was two days after she was in icu i know right afterwards for 24 hours or so and um after she was moved she was in her regular room um the surgeon came to see us really really cool guy uh army veteran very down to earth very no nonsense a nice very nice guy but no bs and he walked in and he said, well, he said, uh, it's cancer. And that was that sort of, you know, heart stopping moment. And he said, the good news is we think we got it all. Um, we, you know, we don't see any signs of uh, the, the uh, cancer spreading to the lymph nodes. Uh, we didn't see any signs of the cancer in the line of the lungs. So we think that we got everything. And, you know, we're going to be aggressive with chemotherapy. And, uh, and, and, and that's, what's, that's the course of action that we're going to take. And again, as scary as it was, we had a plan. What's really scary now is that I don't know what the plan is. You know, if, if this clinical trial doesn't work, if she can't stay on it because of the uh, side effects of the chemotherapy, I don't know what the next plan is. And we're to the point now where our doctors can't tell us what the plan is going forward. Hopefully, they'll be able to help us find another clinical trial. Hopefully, she'll be able to participate uh, in that clinical trial uh, here locally, even if it's a, a, a trial that's being you know run um, out of another hospital or another research center. We haven't even really considered those uh, those variables, those unknowns. And I say we haven't considered them. I'm sure that we have. We haven't talked about it. Uh, honestly, you know, Missy's just been going to bed at 6 45 7 o'clock at night and uh and she really has just had to devote you know whatever energy she has to to doing her job over the past week so we haven't had these discussions but that's what's been weighing on my mind uh over the last few days is what does this next chapter look like you know i felt pretty good i think missy e felt pretty good when we uh, started going to the uh, UVA Cancer Center in Charlottesville and, you know, kind of felt like, all right, we've, we've got this plan here. And, um, and again, I just don't know what the next plan is going to be. I, I hope and I pray that it does not involve a lot of travel for Missy. E. I know that that's going to be hard for her. It's something that she's really wanted to avoid. And I, I hope that I hope that there's something that, um, you know, I hope that there's something that can attack the cancer without attacking the rest of her. <laughs> that would be, that'd be really nice because I, I know that this has just not been a fun week for her. So that's been the major <laughs> issue that's been going on on the 40 acres this week. There've been a couple of other minor disappointments and setbacks. Um, minor in comparison. So we, we've we lost our bees. I, I, I have no idea what's happened. Well, I think I know what's happened to our bees, but I don't know where they are now. So it was, and I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast, but it would have been like two podcasts ago if I mentioned it. I was walking to the house one afternoon and there were a lot of bees um, swarming around one of our old chimneys. Now, the house was built originally as a two-room cabin and somewhere between 1776 and 1781. The uh, uh, chimney in our living room is original. It's a 
stone chimney that's had uh, brick added on to the uh, top of it as the the house grew to a second story back in the 1850s but it's it's old it's you know it's got the um uh, the mortar that's yeah got some you know chinks in it in, in parts, and so there were a lot of bees around that part of the house, uh, and I was really really concerned because I I mean I hadn't seen them before I thought maybe I missed them but I mean I, I I'm now you hear these stories you know of like houses that have beehives eighty thousand bees in the in the house and I'm like oh that's the last thing we need so I actually I remember going in and telling Miss E all right we need to get the exterminator out of here or somebody to come check this out because. I think we've got bees in our walls. And um, and then the next day they were gone. And I haven't seen them since. And I've been looking. I've been looking in the afternoon. I've been looking in the morning. I've been putting my ear up to the chimney. I've been doing all of those things. And no bees. So a couple of days after that, I'm down near our beehive. And uh, so I, I was just like, well, okay, I guess the bees were, you know, going somewhere we, we were just sort of a, a transit uh, point for these uh, bees but they moved on a couple of days later i'm down uh mowing around the beehive and there's no activity none whatsoever and that concerned me because usually there are uh, several dozen bees hanging out right outside of the the beehive and in the summer they're actually um, using their wings to to cool off the inside of the hive. And there was nothing. It was like a little ghost hive. So I walked over and there was one bee that I saw crawling out of the, uh, the opening of the hive. One. So I opened up the top of the hive. There should have been several hundred bees. I mean, it was kind of stupid. I didn't have any, you know, of my protective gear on or anything like that, but opened up the top of the hive. There was one more bee. Um, that was it. So what I suspect happened is that our hive swarmed. They found a, a new place to, to go and live and they left a couple of stragglers behind. Um, we, I've not had a chance to really go in and pull out uh, a lot of the, the frames to see if there's any honey left in. I did open up the uh, the box again this evening right before we did the podcast. And uh, there are some ants in the hive now. There was uh, something larval in one of the frames. I don't think it was a queen bee. I suppose it could have been. But there was just so... There's still a few bees hanging around, but but there are so few of them. I mean, I'm talking, you know, less than... 10 that I saw uh, as I'm kind of rooting through the hive. So I think the, the bees are gone. I don't think they're coming back. I do need to uh, open it up a little bit more and see if there's any honey that can be salvaged. Uh, we got to clean out the hive and I, I guess, I guess start over again. Now that probably is going to be in the spring because now we're, you know, almost into the, the full blown months of summer. I don't know that we could get a new nucleus uh, for the hive, and uh, when we when we got our, our nuke last time around, it was it was earlier in the year. I think it was April or maybe early May. Um, I have to check with a beekeeping uh, uh, store in Scottsville, Virginia, which is where we go. It's called the Scottsville Supply Store. I got to check and see if they have any other nukes for sale. But my my fear is that we're now getting late enough in the year that the bees would not be able to um, actually produce enough honey for the winter. And it would it would be a bad idea to actually introduce a uh, a new nuke into that hive right now. That's my concern. So I'll know more about that uh, on uh, the next Cam and Company. But we've been uh, I've been kind of mourning the disappearance of the bees. And then the uh, the last time that we talked is what we were talking about the garden. And I said the the peppers. I was. I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I had thought that the peppers weren't doing so great, but then we had some, now nah, they're, they're, they suck. Our, our pepper crop sucks this year. The tomatoes are going like gangbusters. The, uh, the beets are doing great. The carrots are okay. Uh, the cucumber plants, we haven't got any blossoms yet, but I would think in the next week or so, I mean, they've just been growing so fast, but our pepper plants suck. They are so small. They're so puny. 
they've been in the greenhouse for the most part. Um, and they, you know, it's not been too hot. We've kept the windows open. The doors have been open. Uh, they like that sort of hot, humid environment, but they're not growing at all right now. I think we probably have, we planted something like 16 varieties of peppers, maybe 17 varieties of peppers. And we don't even have 17 plants right now. We planted, you know, probably a dozen uh, of each variety, or at least at least half a dozen of each variety. And if we had six uh, pepper plants that were even looking close to okay, that would be an exaggeration. So I was thinking about this earlier in the week. Do I want to try to you know buy some plants? Do I want to um, go to the farmer's market and, and see what they have? But I think that we've just decided we're going to be pepper-free this summer. Uh, again, we've got so much going on that, that's up in the year. I don't know how Missy's going to feel. And um, Again, I've managed to take care of everything so far, but that would be another thing to take care of. And sooner or later, something falls by the wayside. So probably not going to have any uh, hot sauce from Corny Goat Farm this year, unfortunately. So if you got a bottle last year, actually, you know, I take that back. We probably won't have any next year because we do have last year's peppers that are still fermenting. We actually need to turn those into hot sauce. We'll probably have enough for about 50 bottles or so, um, but it'll be next year where we actually you know, suffer that, uh, that gap. We have to take a gap year for our pepper production. Um, and along with that, uh, well, not really along with that, but the other uh, thing that we're probably putting by the, that we, I should say probably, we are putting this by the wayside. We will not be milking our goats this year. There's just, there's just no way that uh, we're going to be able to do that on a consistent basis. And it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, it does mean that the babies can hang out with their moms for a lot longer. We do have to get the uh, little babies disbudded, which means getting their uh, their horns kind of snipped. Um, we got to do that here pretty soon because they're they're starting to grow in. But uh, no milk, no goat's milk anyway, uh, no goat cheese. But you know we're, we'll we'll have to just sacrifice that and we'll pick it up next year. Uh, in the meantime. The goats themselves are doing great. I actually have a friend uh, in Farmville who owns a restaurant that's on the Appomattox River, and they've got this um, uh, portion of the, the property that's really overgrown. So I think we're actually going to introduce a couple of the goats uh, and let them clean out that area over the next few weeks. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. That's that's maybe the one thing that we've got going on that I'm kind of looking forward to right now uh, and I'm feeling kind of intrigued by. So we've got two girls who are not milking or who are not, not giving milk at the moment. Uh, Twilight uh, is not pregnant, didn't get knocked up, so she didn't have any babies. And then Toffee lost her babies. She had mastitis. Uh, both of her babies passed away. And so she is not... Um, she, she's free and clear. So I think we might be moving those girls down to Farmville itself uh, here in the next couple of weeks and and letting them eat up some of the uh, river bank of the Appomattox River and, uh, and and do their awesome job of nibbling down stuff. They, they really do a fantastic job of cleaning out uh, an area of, you know, overgrowth. And they can do it in just a couple of days. I, I looked at this uh, spot and it's probably... It's probably, you know, about 500 feet long and probably about uh, 20 feet wide. And I would think within a week, uh, these two girls are going to be able to knock out a lot of the big uh, uh, growth in the small trees and the weeds and the uh, shrubs that have grown up. So it won't take them long to do. In fact, I think uh, my buddy would probably prefer that they were around for longer than a week so that they could get a little bit of, you know, perhaps attention and publicity uh, for the, the goats eating the uh, the overgrowth there on the Appomattox River. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're probably just going to be there for about a week or two, maybe two at the most. Uh, speaking of kids, which of course is what you actually call baby goats, um, when it comes to our human children, 
It's been a milestone. So summer vacation has officially begun. Our kids used to be on the schedule where they'd start school after Labor Day. They'd go until after Memorial Day. It would be uh, you know early June when they get out. And we had a, we had a year where we had so much snow that the kids ended up having to go to school until almost July. The next year, the uh, school district decided, all right, we're going to change our calendar up. So now they go start school in early August, and they're out before Memorial Day. So kids are officially on summer break right now, which is great. Uh, They're going to be able to help out around the house a little bit more, and uh, I think I'll feel a little less frazzled uh, in the uh, coming days. But there's been this sort of bittersweet milestone of our youngest they're not in middle school anymore they're going to be going into high school now and that's um that that that's kind of hard to wrap my head around honestly i mean i know it's been even longer for miss e but for the 22 years that we've been married we've had kids right i mean when we got married uh, my oldest daughter was 11 or Missy's oldest daughter, but she's my daughter too, uh, was 11. Uh, Missy's oldest son was six. And, you know, I became an instant dad the, the day I became a husband. And so for 22 years, again, there have been kids in my house. And they're, they're going to be there for a few more years. But, but now I can start to see the empty nest approaching, which is a really weird feeling that... Uh, you know, one day, probably within the next five years, we're not going to have any kids in the house. And uh, and that's been kind of mind-blowing as well. Uh, there have been a lot of, it's just like I said, it's been a really weird week here. A lot of uh, just, you know, odd things taking place and things haven't been going so great. And then you get these, you know, deep thoughts. All of a sudden, Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle starts playing in the background of your mind. And yeah, you're right. And uh, it's, it's just been one of those one of those weeks. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that my youngest are getting ready to go into high school. They're going to be driving in a couple of years. They're going to be graduating in a couple of years after that. And then I have to pull myself back. You know, we talked last week about living in the now and not getting wrapped up in what could happen or what's going to happen. And clearly I'm still struggling with that (laughs) over the course of this podcast. I've been struggling with it. I've talked about, I don't know what happens next. I don't know when the next chapter is, uh, you know, to, Oh my gosh, five years from now, we might not have any kids in the house. Five years is a long time. (laughs) It really is. Uh, as for the next chapter, we'll know when it happens that that's, that's, that's all we can do. And again, I just have to sort of center myself, remind myself of what's going on right now and live in that moment. And, you know, when I do that, all of a sudden the week doesn't seem quite as bad uh, as it has been. Because I remember that one of the things that um, that has happened this week is that I've, I've had a number of friends reach out and offer anything that they can do. Um, you know, do you need help? I can come down from DC and I can, I can help out with anything you need done around the farm. I had a friend in Texas reach out and say, listen, you know, we could put together meal kits for your family and and send those to you. I mean, there's been, there've been so many really, really wonderful, generous, kind offers from people who uh, I care about and who I know care about us. And you know that that really does it really does make a difference I, I i have not accepted any of that help um which is not to say I'm, I'm i'm not ruling it out in the future i mean as i've said to a couple of friends this week i'm able to handle everything now i am also cognizant of the fact that there may come a day where i will not be able to handle everything by myself where i will actually need some help and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with asking for help when I need it. But I don't want to ask for help until I do need it. And uh, and right now we're doing okay. But it, it really is, 
I was going to say gratifying, but it's more than gratifying. It helps sustain you uh, in those rough times to know that that you do have a support system that you can call on uh, and you do have people who care deeply and who don't just want to help, but are are willing to help uh, if need be. And so if you are one of those individuals who's either reached out or uh, after listening to this, you are going to reach out. Let me thank you for that, because it really does. It, it means so much uh, and it is so greatly appreciated. Man, this might be the most depressing episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. I don't know. The, the one that we did the night before Missy's surgery, <laughs> when we were staying at the little hotel that was attached to the hospital uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, that was, that was probably the most depressing one that we've done. This is definitely top five for sure. We'll try to change that with a couple of emails before we get out of here, but we are getting ready to head into the Memorial Day holiday. In fact, as you're listening to this, you are probably uh, hopefully enjoying your Memorial Day weekend. But, you know, this is the holiday where we do remember those who have lost their lives uh, in defense of this nation. This isn't Veterans Day where we celebrate uh, all of those who have served. This is Memorial Day where we celebrate those who Uh, made the ultimate sacrifice in order to keep us free. When I lived in Northern Virginia, I would go to the Alexandria National Cemetery almost every Memorial Day. This was the nation's second national cemetery after Arlington National Cemetery. And it is uh, tucked away in almost down a dead-end street in Alexandria in a very quiet neighborhood. Um, You have to know where you're going. if You're not going to stumble upon this just at random. And I would take my kids there and, uh, and and that's where we would go and we would visit because lots of people went to Arlington National Cemetery Memorial Day weekend or on Memorial Day itself. The Alexandria National Cemetery was almost always empty, maybe one or two uh, other people there while we were there. And I just felt like I felt like those individuals uh, who were laid to rest there deserved to be remembered on Memorial Day. Since we've moved from Northern Virginia, it's been a little tougher. Um, We have Appomattox National Park, which is about uh, 20 miles or so from uh, from Farmville. Um, There is not a Union Cemetery uh, there in Farmville or in uh, Appomattox. there was there's a, a small Confederate cemetery where one Union soldier was buried. I don't think that this was the uh, last soldier to die in the Civil War, maybe the last Union soldier to die east of the Mississippi. Um, but there's 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 one grave there of a, a Union soldier. Uh, and I've gone there uh, several times over the last six years and about two hours away in a town called Bedford, Virginia, uh, which is in between Lynchburg and Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, The National D-Day Memorial is in Bedford. And you might ask, why is it in Bedford, Virginia? Well, because Bedford, Virginia was the community that lost more of its sons on D-Day and in the D-Day campaign than any other community in the country. You know, we, we, we don't, our military doesn't operate this way now, but back then you had units that were, especially like National Guard units, um, that, that mustered up together. And you did have entire, you know, uh, battalions, uh, not battalions, but yeah, you had, you had, you know, hundreds of individuals from uh, one given town that would go off to war together. And when those units uh, took a, a beating in battle, then the community that they came from uh, faced some really outsized losses. And on D-Day, it was Bedford, Virginia, 
that uh, suffered those incredible losses. A lot of um, those men who died were young men who just graduated high school uh, within the past couple of years. Uh, there were, you know, friends who passed away within sight of each other and and a community that um, deeply mourned not just their deaths, but their continued absence in the community. And the D-Day Memorial that was built uh, back, I believe, in the late 1990s, it's an absolutely beautiful memorial. Now, it struggled a bit. This is not a an official uh, U.S. government supported memorial, and uh, it's it's gotten you know some some uh, help from the state. I believe maybe some help from the federal government, but it is not something that is cared for by the National Park Service or anything like that. And there's been talk over the past couple of years about some financial troubles with the uh, the foundation. Uh, there have been, I would say, rumors that, that have not come to pass, but uh, people have started to wonder, okay, well, what happens, you know, if this uh, foundation goes into bankruptcy? Is it possible that the memorial could actually close? Uh, which would be an, an absolute tragedy, I, I think, if that were to happen. We are already losing touch with so much of our history and to have that that space there that that does tell the story of not just those Bedford boys who uh, who died on D-Day, but uh, all of those who served in the D-Day campaign. And that story is told so well there to lose that, I, I think, would be a, a devastating loss for our country and for our shared history. So if I can get away this weekend for, um, you know, five or six hours, um, that is where I plan on spending my Memorial Day is at the National D-Day Memorial in Bedford, Virginia. Uh, doing what I can to help keep it around. And even though it is not, it's not a cemetery, you know, there are no human remains there. I still think that it is an entirely appropriate place um, to spend some time on Memorial Day and to give thanks uh, to those, again, who, who gave up their lives so that we could live in freedom. I would love to hear from you how you are spending your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the fun stuff as well as the somber stuff. Uh, our email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cam Edwards. You can follow Miss E on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. I don't think she's been very active. In fact, I'm pretty sure she hasn't because she'd only be able to take pictures of the, the couch or the bed uh, over the past week. But she will be back on Instagram before long. And we do have some emails that I want to get to, including one that I missed last week from uh, Mark. I had uh, uh, noted this and I, I, I wanted to get to Mark's email, but I wanted Missy e to be here. I just don't know when that's going to be. So, so Mark, I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about the email that you had sent in uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mark, uh, right in from New Orleans, our uh, buddy who actually uh, inundated us and showered us with all kinds of cool Mardi Gras stuff this year. Mark says, I missed last week's deadline to talk festivals, but I work in a city where every weekend for nine of the 12 months, there is a festival of some kind. I don't usually go to them because of where I work. Um, he says, but my hometown of Lowell, Massachusetts is home to the largest folk festival in America the last weekend in July every year. So what's interesting is Mark's from Lowell, as is Miss E. They were both born in Lowell, Massachusetts, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Mark says, I'll be flying back to visit family, specifically my grandfather, John, who we named our son after. You know, I was just having a conversation the other day, Mark, with, uh, I can't, it, it might have been Miss E, talking about how John has become an unusual name, it seems, these days. At least I think that was Miss E's assertion. Um, so I'm glad to know that, uh, that, that there are still some young Johns out there. Uh, John says, Grandfather John is getting, Mark says, Grandfather John is getting on in years. I don't know how many more visits like this we'll be able to get, to be honest. So we're going to make the most of this one. Uh, I'll be also attending the Lowell Folk Festival. I'm up there, says Mark. Day drinking and old friends with live music, street food, international food. Expect Instagram updates for sure. That's awesome. And you know, again, I'm really glad that that you are um, making the most of those 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 chances to make memories with your grandfather. Um, my grandmother, by the time I was born, actually by the time I was two, three of my four grandparents had already passed away. 
So I really only have memories of my dad's mom, uh, who we called Mama, and who lived in Western Massachusetts. She was born in 1900. She lived to be 94, which is great. Uh, you know, her son lived, my dad lived to be 91. So I'm, I'm hoping that I take after my dad's side of the family here. And, uh, I've got, you know, decades and decades to go, but I remember getting a chance to go spend some time with my grandmother, probably a year before she died. I think it was 19. No, I'm sorry. What that, that would have been. Yeah, that was, that would have been right. 19. Um, and, and I'm really glad that I did. She was still sharp. We could, you know, talk about things and, and we did. I didn't, I didn't spend as much time with her as I would have liked, but I did get that opportunity. And I'm really glad that you're going to get that opportunity with your grandfather as well. Uh, Mark says here at the quote unquote farm, the suburban homestead for now, our chicken coop is constructed. Yeah. And Mark says, our two model Javas, Hillary and Monica, <laughs> are living in it full time, he says. No eggs as of yet, but that will come. I'm, I'm dying to know who's the top of the pecking order between Hillary and Monica, Mark. Uh, our two Polish top hats and our Brahma Large Marge <laughs> will be moving in this month as well. I built out a fence and gate with the help of a neighbor and enclosed the area behind the garage as they're run. They seem to love it. But not as much as the pile of dead bugs that they get every day just outside of the run under the bug zapper that I installed. Sometimes, he says, I have really good ideas. That one has been a hit with my ladies. Good for you. I, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's really interesting that you talk about that because I don't know. So I've got a bug zapper. Um, I, I, I don't know that our chickens would eat dead bugs. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't eat the dead bugs. They eat the live bugs. They eat frogs, for goodness sake. So I don't know why they wouldn't eat dead bugs. But I had not even considered the idea. That's probably a delicacy for those chickens, right? Fried bugs, freshly zapped. I love it. Mark says, we also planted all of our tomatoes, our peppers, hot and sweet. A little jealous of you, Mark. As well as our herbs, and after I drill some drainage holes in the pots, uh, lots of rain the last couple of days in southern Louisiana, I think all will be fine. He says, this past winter, I became a contributing member of the Seed Seavers Exchange and got our transplants from them. I love Seed Seavers Exchange. Good for you. That is so cool. Purple Cherokee tomatoes, Italian, Italian heirloom tomatoes, king in the north and orange peppers, jalapeno travelers, Italian thin skin peppers, as well as oregano, lemon balm, pineapple sage, lavender, rosemary, Italian basil purple basil dude you are getting it done that is awesome i'm feeling kind of you know sad that uh, our garden consists of why well, do we have like 15 different types of tomatoes so we got that going and we got two different types of cucumbers right now we got three or four varieties of carrots two varieties of beets and again pepper free unfortunately and we did actually we haven't planted any herbs um, but Miss E planted some lavender last year that actually survived the winter, and the the lavender plant is going great guns uh, in a, a big pot down by the garden. Uh, Mark says I also joined the Java Breeders Association of America. Which is cool. Mark says, it's a bit premature as we're not anywhere near breeding chickens, but anything I can do to save an American heritage breed of livestock, all while getting an email newsletter, sounds like a, it seems like a sound investment. You know, I, I'm with you, Mark. When we first moved to the farm, uh, the first year that we got pigs, we were looking at the different varieties of pigs that, uh, that you know, we could, we could find, and we went with American guinea hogs because they were a heritage breed, and they... You know, if they existed in the wild, they would be endangered at that point or at this point. I mean, they're down to like, I think, 3,000 or so hogs that are American guinea hogs. And this was at one point in time, probably the most common breed of hogs, certainly in the American South, uh, if not in the United States overall. But, you know, as the uh, uh, pork industry became standardized and centralized, you wanted something that had more meat. Uh, American guinea hogs are more lard hogs. They're great, you know, again, if you're raising your own food because you got the meat from the hogs, but then you also got the lard, you could, uh, uh, you know, use that for so many different things. But if you're, you know, a big pork producer or you're a big pork supplier, uh, you want as much meat as possible. You don't want, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, a lard and fat 
uh, to go on your hog. So the American Guinea hog went from being basically the standard breed to being seen as worthless. Uh, and the numbers plummeted. And so that was one of the reasons, that was the reason why we decided to go with American guinea hogs our first years because we wanted to help save that heritage breed. And I'm glad that, we've, that, we, that we did that. Now, I'll be honest with you, when we get hogs again, I don't think we're going to get American guinea hogs because they're a little too fatty. We, we, don't, we don't need that much lard. Um, we had our best luck with the Berkshire Tamworth mixes which are not heritage breeds. These are, you know, these are mutts. Um, but that was probably the the tastiest and the the uh, the the largest hog with the least amount of fat, but still good marbling in it. So I do get the idea, and I really I'm on board with the idea of saving these heritage breeds when you can. So congratulations for joining the Java Breeders Association of America. Now I'm kind of thinking about, you know, getting maybe uh, maybe some Javas for our. We don't we don't need any we don't need any more chickens right now. Actually, I got to put that thought out of my mind. We have 10 hens. We're getting between eight and 10 eggs a day right now. Um, we are to the point where every time I uh, go visit friends in Farmville, I bring along a dozen or 18 eggs to uh, to give them. So I, I need to put the thought of any more hens out of my brain at the moment here. That's just that is that's not going to work. <laughs> And one more email from our friend Greg in North Carolina, the uh, keeper of the llamas, who had uh, emailed me earlier this week asking, uh, saying that he, he hoped that he would see me at the Duskin and Stevens Beef and Beer Benefit, uh, which is actually taking place as I'm recording this podcast in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, right now, as I'm recording this, there is a big barn that has been beautifully restored and it is full of 1500 to 2000 people they've spilled outside they're eating barbecue they're drinking beer uh inside the barn there are aisles of uh really cool things that have been donated to be auctioned off uh you know sign memorabilia from athletes a lot of firearms a lot of uh, outdoor gear and all of the money that is raised will go to the Duskin and Stevens Foundation. This is an incredible organization uh, named after two incredible men. Big Mike Duskin, Riley Stevens, uh, both members of our U.S. military, served in the U.S. Army Special Forces, who died in uh, separate incidents in Afghanistan. Both left, uh, left their families behind. And originally, the Duskin and Stevens Foundation was created to uh, help provide um, scholarship and tuition money for the uh, children of those fallen warriors. The uh, foundation has expanded a little bit in its mission over the past couple of years, but still is extraordinarily focused, again, on uh, the families of those fallen heroes. And it is... I had the the, the uh, privilege and the pleasure of attending. I believe this was the second uh, Duskin and Stevens Beef and Beer Benefit, and ever since then, I mean, it was it was just so amazing to get a chance to learn more about these guys. I never met Big Mike Duskin, I never met Riley Stevens, but I I, I have had the chance to meet uh, several individuals who served with both of them, and this community. You know, of, uh, of of active duty military, of veterans, of their families um, at Fort Bragg. Again, thousands of them came out on this beautiful, warm, late spring evening and raised a ton of money uh, for a very, very good cause. And um, and this has just gotten bigger uh, over the years. So you can find them at Duskin and Stevens, D U S K I N, and then A N D, Stevens with a P H dot org. Uh, and under their What We Do page, they say, since 2013, we have provided active duty members of the special operations community and their families the opportunity to honor our fallen and advance their careers and family life despite prolonged deployments and family separation. So they support the United States special ops community through direct support to families of fallen operators, healing programs designed to combat the effects of PTS, TBI, and loss of a loved one, as well as youth scholarships for children of active duty members of the community. 
And if you can't make it to the uh, Beef and Beer Benefit, they, they have several uh, annual events. They have the Beef and Beer Weekend, which has grown now from just the Beef and Beer Dinner to now there's a, a, a golf tournament. There's just all kinds of activities. There's also the, uh, the Climb for Valor. Um, which uh, is a, a climb of Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, as they say, a, a healing climb that sends our wounded special operations combat veterans, family members of fallen special operations soldiers and civilians up the 19,341-foot peak. Can you believe that? I, I That's, again, it's, it's incredible to me that they're uh, doing this. So, yeah, um, May 23rd, uh, as I said uh, tonight, as I'm recording this, you've got the Beef and Beer Benefit, uh, live music, silent auction. May 24th, they have uh, Range Day. I love it. Uh, at uh, Trigger Time in uh, Carthage, North Carolina. May 25th is the golf tournament at uh, the Country Club of Whispering Pines. And there is a link somewhere on this page at the duskinandstevens.org website. Uh, there is a link where you can buy uh, merchandise. Uh, every year they put out a new design for uh, t-shirts and, uh, and hoodies. I have, I have several of them um, from over the years. And, uh, and I'm sad that I'm not going to be able to get one this year. I'm looking right now. And it looks like... Yeah, it looks like they might be sold out of everything at the moment. But I would not be surprised if they have new gear coming in. And again, the uh, the money uh, that is raised goes to the Duskin Stevens Foundation, which is a great organization. So, Greg, I hope you had a great time with the llamas out there in North Carolina. I'm sorry that I'm not there this year. I do hope that I'll be able to get back. It's been two years. Well, it's been, no, I guess it's been three years now. I've missed the last two unfortunately but um but I, I and i do miss it each and every year uh when uh the the beef and beer dinner rolls around i i do miss not being there because it is a really special thing so uh make your plans for next year if you're in the north carolina area or if it's a three or four hour drive i think it's well worth your time just to be around that community and to be a part of that and to, uh, to help honor again the uh, memories of big mike duskin and riley stevens and uh, Greg, I hope you and the Lamas had a great time. All right, that is all the time that we have here on this edition of 40 Acres and Fool. I promise next week I'm going to make it uh, a much happier program somehow, some way. We'll hopefully have good news about Miss E feeling better. Maybe the bees will come back. Who knows? Uh, we'll probably have some, well, maybe we'll have some blossoms on the uh, cucumber plants. Maybe we'll start to see some blossoms on the tomato plants, which are going Great guns, by the way. Uh, we've, like I said, 16 different varieties or 15 different varieties of tomatoes, multiple plants. Of all of the plants that we planted, I think we only had four plants. None of them have died. We've got four that are looking a little puny. Uh, everybody else is going great guns. So hopefully we'll have some more good news from the garden for you. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear the return of Miss E as well. So, as always, thank you for being a part of this program. Thank you for being a part of our lives. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and make stuff. And we'll talk to you soon here on 40 Acres and a Fool from Blaze Podcast Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 